As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Okay, Michael, I'm going to tell you a little story. All right, let's hear it. All right, well, it has to do with a VP of product who's working at this growing SaaS company. Uh, Let's call her Jane. All right, okay. (laughs) Okay, so Jane, she's a rock star as far as product people go. And she went to an awesome school and right out of college started working for a couple startups. And actually the last startup that she was a part of, she was actually on the founding team. And that startup, they happened to get a lot of attention right out of the gate from all sorts of media publications. They raised this big round of funding and they grew their internal team to like 50 people. Um, But they kind of struggled to find true product market fit. And ultimately, they were acquired by one of the fastest growing SaaS unicorns to date. And Jane, sounds like she stayed with that team? She did, yes. In fact, now she runs the entire product organization. And there's like 30 product managers that report up to Jane, which is 
10 times the number of product managers wow. she was used to managing back with the other startup. Yeah. But you, truth be told, Jane was sort of struggling a bit before um, in, internally. I mean, on the outside, she's awesome. Everybody loved her, thought she did great work. Um, she did do great work. I mean, she was doing an awesome job. But Jane, you know, never went to school for product management, mm. although nobody has. <laughs> and, you know, she's <laughs> only really been managing people for a year. So she just started to really like question a lot about her own abilities. Yeah, I that's a pretty common uh, problem for a lot of product people and new managers. It's that imposter syndrome, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Jane had that big time. So today's episode's about imposter syndrome or Jane or this unicorn company? Oh, well, actually, none of what I just shared is actually real. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> no, so, but, so what's going but, on then? <laughs> it is related to today's episode, though, which is about storytelling. Okay. You've, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. Okay, so this whole thing about Jane, her startup, her new role as a product leader at a unicorn SaaS company. It was all a story to illustrate a scenario, uh, a common scenario actually, but, but yes, it was just a story. Okay, so a story storytelling, that's the real focus. Yes. And for longtime listeners of Rocket Chip, you might remember an episode that we did a while back with Josh Annan on some storytelling. Yeah, I think it was like episode 83. Yes. I yeah, I think you're right about that. Long before my time on Rocket Chip, but um, for those of you that may not have heard it before, go back and, and check it out if you want to. You don't, you don't have to for this episode, but might be might be interesting. Um, but more recently, I actually had a chance to catch up with Connie Kwan. And Connie is the chief storyteller at Product Maestro, where she helps executives align and craft powerful visions for engaging employees, customers, and investors too. Okay, so why storytelling for product people? Why is that important? As a product person, we talk to many different stakeholders in our day, whether that's uh, investors, if you're in the mode of fundraising, or more commonly customers, or maybe internal teams too, uh, to rally them to build towards a product vision. And so to each of those constituents, uh, the story could be a little different. Um, what you're trying to convey is centrally the same, but they have different values and they have different priorities. So being able to vary the message, uh, what I call storytelling, is very important for a product person to be effective because the product person works uh, in the intersection of all these different functions. Okay, so we heard that there are different situations where storytelling can come into play, whether it's pitching investors, which may be for product people, they may or may not be involved in, but product people certainly are in front of customers, so it's very relevant. Yes. And as Connie and I were discussing, she shared how it's not just for external purposes too. I mean, storytelling can be useful internally um, in different ways, depending on what level of a product person you are, whether it's frontline product manager, or maybe you're in more of a product leadership role. Definitely the le different levels, right? The, the entry level product person to a VP of product. Um, you'll find yourself doing much more storytelling the more senior level you get. 
And that's because you're trying to rally more resources to your cause as you move up in the organization. So the storytelling skills become much more important. At the entry level, though, you are still employing some of these skills and building these skills, right? Um, even at the very, very beginning, um, a product person might be writing specs, uh, liaising with engineering and possibly marketing and design to put the whole package together and create a launch for the product or the product features that he or she is working on. And to do all that, you know, if you're working with people in any capacity, you are involved in storytelling. And so I would say, you know, uh, the stakes might get higher because at VP level, you might be um, discussing budgets or investment, right? Rather than, hey, should we launch feature A or feature B and which one should we launch first? Now at the VP level, you're talking more, oh, should we invest in area A at X million dollars versus area B at Y million dollars? And why is that? And you know, who needs to be involved? How will we build a team for each of those different scenarios? Um, so the stakes are higher, but certainly the storytelling skills are foundationally similar. Um, and you're working with uh, a wider swath of roles. Um, but again, uh, the storytelling is very central to accomplishing the goals. Okay, well, I can certainly see how it's relevant. I'm wondering if we could dive a bit deeper into one of those scenarios Connie mentioned. Michael, it's like you're reading into my brain because <laughs> I, I asked her to dig a bit deeper and she gave a specific example about how storytelling might come into play for a product person who's working directly with, say, the engineering team. Let's take an example of working with engineering teams, right? That's a very common need for a product manager. And uh, quite often the engineering folks have a very different perspective of the world. They are day-to-day um, -day shipping a specific piece of the code um, or products, if it's a hardware product, they are um, very much in the details of what's working, what's not working. And maybe in some cases, they're also uh, level two in terms of support, right? So support might ping them and say, this is broken and that's broken. So in, in terms of what they see and what the customer's needs are, like they have a different perspective entirely. And um, in storytelling, I think the first step is really understanding where your audience lives and having the empathy for that, so that when you convey a message, um, in most cases for a product person would be, hey, we, you know, we understood that um, these are some challenges that the customers have right now with our product, and we wanna take it in this direction, I right? wanna add feature A, B, and C, um, and we need to launch this within a certain time frame. Um, and engineering might be like, hey, but you know, the ones, the features that we have currently are still broken and we need to make those better. So you have this tension around, do we make what we have better and perfect or do we move on to new features and ship those and what kind of trade-offs are we looking at if we do that, right? Um, so it's really understanding, oh, okay, what is the state of um, the current and how engineering sees that? And then bringing in the perspective of, of, of your own visibility, right? So. Um, they don't have, engineering doesn't have a lot of time to go and talk to customers and the product manager is focuses on that. So how do you bring some of that perspective into the organization, right? How do you use tools like, hey, record a video of a customer talking about your product or um, maybe bring a customer in to the room, right? 
uh, maybe you have survey data or other ways of conveying that in a in a quantitative fashion. Um, I think combining some of those storytelling aspects, whether you're storytelling by narrative, by video, by photos, uh, by uh, data, those are all storytelling techniques you can employ to help the other per, uh, person understand your perspective, but it really starts at a point of you understanding their perspective first. And Connie actually had a story of her own that she recounts too. Oh, let's hear it. We were launching a product in the company that I was at. And uh, we were at, a, this was going to be the first launch, meaning um, everybody is just getting ready to, to receive the flood, you know? And it's a very critical moment because people are about to uh, work really hard. You know, when you launch is literally when the work starts. So I wanted to get the team ready for that. Um, and so I put, I put the story of, I, I put the phrase of pulling out all the stops as sort of a, a uh, comical um, takeaway for folks. Because people remember these, these stories that you tell in the presentation more than the content, right? And I want people to walk away with thinking about um, this is the moment that makes or breaks the company and, and we're literally pulling out all the stops. And most people don't know what that phrase comes from, actually. So my story was actually going into a little bit uh, of storytelling about the phrase itself. And I'll tell you what that is now. Um, uh, do you know the, the organ, the organ that they have in, in a church? There's a lot of uh, knobs on that organ, if you've ever seen one, and pedals too, uh, but lots of knobs. And the way the organ works is actually, it blows air through the big, uh, the big tubes that make sound, right? Uh, but the way you do that is, is you pull those knobs that are on this panel. So um, when you pull out all the stops, that means the organ is fully playing, like every single uh, uh, instrument on that organ is playing. And the, the analogy here is, you know, we as a company, we need to pull out all the stops in this moment. It's gonna be make, make or break for us. We're gonna launch this product. We need to give customers the best service that they can that are walking through the door initially because their expression and their experience with us will be how we get new customers. And so we need to all play, like the whole instrument has to play and we need to play well together. So we're gonna pull out all the stops. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices, construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Pulling out all the stops. You know, I never really did know where that term came from. I didn't either. No, that was totally new to me too. So if product people wanted to incorporate storytelling into their bag, so to speak, what's important for them to know? Where do they start? Well, it's probably good to start with the elements of a story. And what are those, like beginning, middle, end? Well, yes, actually, that, that's a pretty good start right there. But there is a little bit more to it. In fact, if you really want to know the elements of storytelling, you just have to think of a certain place to get your mind going. Where's that? Hollywood. Your proper story has a beginning, a middle, and end, right? 
And these are storytelling techniques of, of for since since the beginning of time, you know. And Hollywood has uh, uh, seven different plot lines actually that they employ consistently. And uh, in some of our workshops, in some of my workshops, we dig into these different plot lines and how we can pull out those narratives for different scenarios. And in fact, you find brands and marketing folks using these plot lines too in how they talk about their brand. Um, and a product manager can leverage that, right? So, so how I would leverage that, for example, is um, if I go back to the engineering scenario where I'm talking about the product vision for the next three months, um, I would engage in having, having a protagonist in my storytelling. And that is often the customer. You know, I would put a customer's um, story in the middle of how I'm conveying that message because, yes, the, the data tells the story, um, but I think having a, a connection to a person really is powerful. Um, and often that's abstracted in terms of personas in a company and that has its uses. But when I really get into the deep of, you know, teams where they're really resistant to a certain direction and we're working towards that direction, then bringing a, a, a storytelling, like a true storytelling with a narrative type of approach can be very powerful where, um, you put a protagonist in it, you explain this person's, um, journey, what they're trying to accomplish, how, you know, our company and our products helping that person accomplish what they're doing. Um, maybe it's a story of someone who has accomplished this successfully with our help, uh, or alternatively, someone who is still struggling with with that pain point, right? Um, and by pulling these live human stories into the conversation, it puts people outside of their own perspective so that they can understand what you're trying to convey. And that's really at the heart of, of storytelling is, is helping people step out of their own shoes so that they can take in a different perspective. Some of our listeners may be hearing about storytelling for the first time, at least in the context of using it as a tool as a product person. Some of you may be seeing value in it. I, I can definitely see value in it, but you know, some may be skeptical. Yeah, yeah, maybe. To be fair, they still not, might not totally understand how storytelling fits into like products, right? And and kind of the day to day of of running a a product. So they still might have some misconceptions in their mind about what storytelling really is. Yeah, it, that totally could be the case. And actually, Connie talked about one major misconception that she often hears from skeptics. I think people have a tendency to think that storytelling is a form of lying. That there's a there's a thinking that you know we're making up stories sometimes to try and get to a end, um, and that's not true at all. I think storytelling in a pure form is packaging up a set of information so that the receiver can best receive it. The right type of storytelling to me is, I use my skills in understanding what your values are as an audience to me. I use my skills in storytelling to make sure that the message that I craft and deliver will resonate and that you will put down your cell phone and actually pay attention to what I'm saying. And, and to me, that's that's all it is, right? Is making sure I am accommodating the person who's receiving the information versus trying necessarily to, to cheat them or to um, be disingenuous in some way. 
Well, I think that was a solid conversation uh, with Connie today. Definitely gives us all something to think about and, you know, try to add one more tool that we can use every day. For sure. Yeah. It actually, it reminds me of this product manager that was at this enterprise organization that I ran into recently. And this person was always on the lookout for new tools to use. Let's call him Robert. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> You're not going to tell us another story, are you? Um... Uh, I think we could just end the episode here, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) All right, if you say so. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It's your support that keeps the show going. Rocketship.fm is now part of the Podglomerate Network. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the Podglomerate Network, go to thepodglomerate.com. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. If you go to productcollective.com, you could check out live video interviews, sign up for our newsletter, be a part of our Slack group with over 6,000 product people. Just check it out at productcollective.com.